Well, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Euro Weekly brought to you by Bet Victor. I said it was a two-parter, and so we've got the second part of my sit-down with Sophie Nicolau, the soccer diva herself from the Highbury Squad podcast, breaking down all things Arsenal. It was a debate that went on for a very long time. These are only snippets of the two hours or so that we did sit down just discussing all things football, all things Arsenal and getting into the deep and nasty part of it. This was mainly about the squad, the players, and perhaps some of the attitudes as well, and what can change in that Arsenal squad, and how they can perhaps build for the future too. Looking at it in long form, of course, we're still at the point of recording this, waiting to find out who the next Arsenal manager will be. So bear that in mind if it ends up being slightly dated. But a big thanks for listening. Enjoy the chat. And a big thanks again to Sophie for sitting down and, uh, and giving her time. Hey, Harry. Hello, mate. Set smart TV to record the football later. You've got to be joking, and you? I ain't got a blooming clue. But I'll tell you what, if you want to chuck a few quid on it, your best bet is to try that Bet Victor app. Even I'm a whiz on that. Listen, I've got a little tip for you, and you did need this from me. Oh, that'd be Sandra with the shopping. Sorry, mate, I've got a dash. Listen to Harry and make your best bet with Bet Victor. 18 plus, please gamble responsibly. Son, seen the remote? <laughs> executives that are imbeciles at times making wrong decisions and Raul kind of came here and flew the flag and signed Pepe for 72 million dollars and everybody was thinking woohoo party time this is cool look what we've done we've spent 72 million dollars in the transfer market but the truth is Unai Emery wanted Zaha he didn't want Pepe mm-hmm. and I'm not saying Pepe's not a good player and it's very different playing in Liga compared to here um, to to Premier League. But I think we got enamored with the fact that he he went off and he, he spent this big amount of money, which was what a lot of Arsenal fans were crying out for. Arsenal fans focused on this kid called Martinelli and what he could be. You know, a guy on a podcast said the other day um, that he's the most exciting young player I've ever seen at Arsenal, maybe since Anelka. And I think that's true. Oh, Maybe geez, Fabregas watch out as then. well. Bloody hell. I mean, if it's the same <laughs> attitude as Anelka, you might be... <laughs> well, be he doesn't. News. That's the good thing about Martinelli. He's, uh, he's, his attitude... I'm just talking about feet, Yeah, Oliver. yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> but he's so exciting. Now, if I'm Arsenal, I'm thinking, okay, I've got Martinelli, I've got Saka, I've got Pepe, you know, I've got Torreira, Ter- I don't know. I think Torreira's better suited to Italian football. I've got Guendouzi, who I have question marks about, by the way. I have Tierney. How do I build a team around these guys and the Smith Rose of the world? And how do I set them up to succeed and bring in a couple more seasoned players, three or four more seasoned players, to help them? So Gradis, David Luiz, Bellerin's finished, in my opinion. I don't think he's ever going to be the same footballer again. We need a right back. We need two centre backs. We need a left back because if Tierney's going to be injury prone, that's going to be an issue. Mm. We need midfielders. We need a DM. We need a CM. 
We need M&Ms. <laughs> we need every kind of M <laughs> you can think of. You know, and if Aubameyang goes, who's going to be that that striker, that prolific striker? Ozil, is he really the answer? I don't know. Are there, is Ceballos going to be the guy? He's been a bit of a disaster, to be honest with you, yet shines in the Spanish team. Why? Because he's set up to succeed. You know, and Lacazette is kind of going to end up being one of those, where does he play all the time if Aubameyang's playing? And Aubameyang is much suited down the middle than on the flanks. We see some of his worst games when he's playing on the flanks. Even though he can come in and score from any side of the pitch, he's most prolific down the middle, right? So I think that's what I'd be looking at. What talent do I have and how can I build around these young players? Martinelli excites me, but I feel bad for him because I'm thinking, poor baby, look at him. I mean, what what are we going to... We can't let some a talent like that not come to fruition. So it's a very important next nine months for Arsenal. And the fact that we can still qualify for top four is shocking to me. Yeah. Yeah. The, the run since what? The end of mid-October? Since then? Yeah. In all competitions. Yeah, we had one in nine games and then we beat a very poor West Ham I was going to say, well played. Getting a result against West Ham. That was, that was quite fun watching... Because Arsenal Twitter is one of the most vocal Twitters out there. <laughs> and watching Arsenal fans being like, you see that? You get Freddie Lundberg back and that's what you get. That's what you get. It's like, mm, it's probably not all about Freddie Lundberg that. It's probably more about the side you're playing at that point. Particularly as Lundberg lost to Brighton in, his, in the game before that. So let's not make snap judgment calls too quickly, please. Exactly. And he had no balls to play Pepe. In those first two games, I'm not saying he should have created a revolution, but at least an evolution. But he didn't. He was picking a team not to lose instead of picking a team to win. And the West Ham game, he knew that he had to roll the dice. And Pepe came on and, you know, changed the game. He's He had a credit to him, it, despite who he was playing against. He took his chances and... You know, he and Martinelli again, adding spark to the team. So, you know, when you see what Frank Lampard has done with his young players, yes, they've had some hits and misses, but he's got them to the last 16. Everyone was laughing at Chelsea at the beginning of the season saying they will not make top four. Yeah. And this is, it, top four is going to be City, Liverpool, Tottenham, and either Arsenal or Man United. And he's making the most of what he's got. And now... You know, they're going to get some transfer money because of the ban being lifted. And I really respect Frank for what he's done. And then you look at that and you say, well, can Arsenal do that? I think Chelsea have better players. They have better culture. They have a better roadmap. They have um, better attitude. And that's why I think it's hard for even a Freddie or an Arteta to come in. When Emery was fired, the first thing I tweeted was, great, when can we fire some of the players with him? <laughs> because you you just, you inherit, you know, I've, I've had this in t with teams before and stuff like that when I've managed or whatever. Some people are never going to change. They're not, you know, they're not coachable. I can't remember who said that. Um, I think maybe Gary Neville said it and, and, and Kevin Campbell reiterated it on our pod too. Some of these plays are just uncoachable and that's the problem. Until you also change the personnel, you're always going to set someone up to fail. And I guess my resistance for an ex-Arsenal player to come in 
with this particular team is I don't want to ruin their legacy. I want to remember the Invincibles for that time and what they gave us until Liverpool smashed that record as well. We've got nothing to sing about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You and United fans will be able to come together in commiseration as Liverpool start to break every record under the sun in the Premier League. Yeah. (laughs) After they do the quadruple or the treble and they go invincible. uh, Yeah. We'll think uh, about things like that. The other thing though, I was so, I mean, you're talking about the youngsters at Arsenal and, uh, and that's why this next managerial appointment is so important because, as you seem to kind of stress as well, it, the culture around a club needs to change. And look, as a Milan follower, let me tell you now, bringing in Freddie Lundberg and him getting a couple of results, bringing in ex-players doesn't change what happens at a football club very often. You know, look at what Milan did, brought in Sadov, brought in Gattuso, and even Gattuso, who's just off his head sometimes. Um wasn't able to turn around and they've had problems off the pitch as well, of course, in, in up in the higher ups in the box seats. But it wasn't able to change a, a really lacklustre bunch of players that have been around there now for a fair few years, a lot of those players at Milan. And they underperform continually and they don't put the effort in and you watch it and you see it on the pitch. So it it takes a big overhaul and an ex-player isn't going to do that. I also think when you... when you Obviously, Vieira is the other ex-player who is closely linked to this job. You look at someone like Patrick Vieira, the reason why Lampard seems to work at Chelsea is because he's always still been so closely affiliated to that club since retiring. And retirement wasn't that far from uh, where we are now, what, just a, a few years or so. Had relative success at Derby, kind of getting the training wheels on with, with a relatively high-profile managerial job, but has gone straight back to Chelsea, got into the thick of it straight away. And what he's doing right now is impressive. But Vieira is so removed because of that Manchester, uh, sorry, the New York City FC uh, time that he spent out in the US and and has kind of bounced around and away from Arsenal for a fair bit of his time while he's been learning the coaching graph, the the, the stuff behind the scenes as as directors of football and, and, and the other positions that he's had at various outlets. That I don't think Vieira coming back in would have that same impression if you're looking for that ex-player to be in the thick of it with an Arsenal team. I'd... I'd and he's the last player as well at Arsenal that had that grab the game by the scruff of the neck as a captain, as a leader, and drive them through. It's been the one thing that Arsenal fans have been crying out for. We, they thought, and you thought you'd have it with Jack Wilshere, is a player that would be Arsenal through and through, lead that team from the heart of the pitch. Because you were mentioning, you know, you need centre-backs, left-backs, right-backs, defensive midfielders, central midfielders. But these are the transfer requests that have been going around for however many years. You know, I remember when Holding came in and people said, well, at least we're bringing in a central defender with a lot of promise and and we can make him one of our own. There's always been an, a need, and Torreira at least filled that a little bit, for that holding midfielder that can try and boss a game. Guendouzi as well at times has shown that maybe he can do it, but consistently and being that Arsenal bleeding the badge, it just hasn't come around enough or as often that Arsenal fans want. So I don't think Absolutely an ex-player in that position is going to help point. Brilliant point. It's so true. Because can you think of... Arteta really is the last captain slash guy, right? I mean, if you're going to look at somebody who has more affinity with the club in a more recent times, he's mm. definitely that. Patrick, to me, sometimes, as much as I revere and I love Patrick, I associate him with Man City a little bit more even than I do with... Um, with Arsenal in the sense that in terms of he's got, he's moved on the, the NYFC connection, even his time when he went into Italian football. 
And I just feel like we are such a rearview mirror club. We keep looking at the past because we've got nothing to be excited about in the present or the future. And so we keep kind of clutching at straws to think these ex-players are going to come in and save the day. And they're just not. They're not going to do that. And we've got to start fresh. That's why I was saying at the beginning of the show is we've got to look at this with a blank canvas. Mm-hmm. And if the new guy wants to bring in some of these players because they're going to benefit the club long term, then let's do it. Our board can't even get along. You have half of the Wenger era and then you have the new era. You've got the Josh Kroenke team and then you've got the older the older people um, who have been there in some ways, you know, too long. So I just I just think that, you know, Manchester City, I they get fans get upset with me at Manchester City because I said to them, you've been an irrelevant club. Before Pep Guardiola came, you were irrelevant. And even now, you're not a big club. You're just a club that has won a lot because they can't sell out home games for the Champions League. And to be fair to Manchester City, they've got a core group of fans that have been up and down, you know, from the the Premier League to the Championship and even the old Division One to Division Two. Mm-hmm. And they have been trying to rebuild and they've got an incredible owner with amazing facilities, state-of-the-art kind of stuff. But I'm sorry, financially, they may be big. But when we talk about what you said, Man United are still a bigger club than you. They are, but they are in every regard of Mm. what that means, right? Tottenham. Are Tottenham a big club? They've become a bigger club and they are putting themselves on the map. They're not a bigger club than Arsenal. They're more relevant than Arsenal right now. Yeah. That's the difference. Liverpool are a big club. You know, they were irrelevant a little before Klopp came and he's made them relevant again. And I think, you know, Arsenal fans kind of misconstrue the past with the present. We're a big club, but we're irrelevant. We have been for years. Even when Wenger was still there, we would never make it past the last 16. Um, We'd get into the knockout stages and we would never make it past that first knockout game. You know, before the FA Cups, it was finish fourth, get knocked out in the last 16. Yeah. Finish fourth, get knocked out out in the last 16. So, you know, I think it's Chelsea. They were irrelevant before Jose got there. You know, before Claudio got there, let's be fair. Claudio started putting them on the map from a footballing point of view, right? Then Jose came in and revolutionized everything, gave them their first title in 50 years. I mean, and Ran- they've become Ranieri, a big club. Ranieri did it because the money gave them the attention. Yes. Like Jose, Jose started the revolution at the end of the day and got them winning things. Ranieri, Ranieri at Chelsea was kind of the bust almost. It was the guy that was given the keys to the Golden Kingdom and, and it didn't work. And... A little bit like, um, let's do some analogy here. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, my little NFL expert. <laughs> the Tony Dungy, um, John Gruden example of the Bucks, right? Do you yeah. remember that? Yeah. Tony Dungy builds a team. I, did he get them to the Super Bowl that no, year or no? no? he didn't and, get them. He got and... them out of the being the sucks, as uh, Warren Sapp actually called them before he was drafted by them. He said, like, I don't want to go to the Tampa Bay sucks. But right. Dungy, Dungy was too nice a guy, and so the players didn't respond to that in any way, shape, or form is, is the main story. And then Gruden comes in, and they've got One all the talent. One season later, right? Yeah, 
They've got all the talent that Dungey amassed, the likes of Sap, the likes of Derek Brooks, the likes of Keyshawn Johnson. And then uh, and then Gruden comes in and says, we're not going to be friends and you're going to hate that. So you, And I'm going to make you work and you're going to work your ass off for me because that's your job and I'm your head coach. And I've got the arrogance and the swagger to pull it off because I know what I'm talking about and I'm going to tell you what you need to do. And, and, and he it, did. It was perfect. Yeah, it created that golden season for them. Amazing. And so, you know, I think I think sometimes, you know, in in football, there's big club, there's relevance and then there's history. And I think in today's world where there's this instant gratification um, attitude is that we mix and blur those lines. And, you know, I I think for Arsenal, they need to really think about the club that they want to be going into this next decade. It's a great opportunity to say, and and to have one of them come out in these AST meetings and all that nonsense and say, look, we failed. It's been bad in the Premier League and the Champions League in Europe. Yes, we've won the FA Cups, but here's what the plan is. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to rebuild and we've got a plan and here's the man that's going to take us there. And I think a little bit more transparency would be, would be welcomed. And they don't have to tell Arsenal fans everything, but being a little bit more inclusive does help, doesn't it? And we've mm-hmm. become such a toxic group. In the summer, we all came back together because we got enamored with our transfer market. And, you know, and to, to be fair to Emery, he inherited a mess. And Unai is a good guy. He's not a bad person. You know, he's done things and he's been successful at PSG, was successful in Spain. And he had a lot of issues to deal with, a lot of issues that a lot of Arsenal fans do not know about. And it was very hard for him. And he didn't help himself by being very narrow-minded when it came to team choices and tactics. Unfortunately, he's one of those managers that it's his way and he's not adaptable. Um, But he didn't really have a lot to work with. And if you don't have the iron fist in that lack of adaptability, you don't win win the players in terms of being the John Gruden, the, the tough guy. And... Yep. And it's not going to work. I feel this has like been almost Arsenal therapy for you. So, <laughs> I Listen, I'm ready to get off the couch and go have a beer. I mean, I've been cured by Oliver Wilson. Who knew? Yeah. I mean, no. yeah, for those that don't know, we used to talk football a lot on a live show here in LA for a while. We've been talking football for a number of years. I love Oliver's work and stuff, but I have to say I'm feeling a little rejuvenated after this. Is it because I'm personally cleansed now? Uh, I, I think my, the healing powers of uh, breaking down football again, mate, is the, uh, is the... Big thanks to Sophie once again at Soccer Diva. You can find her on Twitter. You can hear her on the Highbury Squad podcast as a co-host on that. And of course, you can hear her on Talk Sport as well, giving her thoughts on all things Arsenal, all things football in general. And of course, around the press boxes of the California area. Very lucky lady indeed, as she stays abreast of all things LA Galaxy, MLS and US soccer in general. That was the podcast for you then. The uh, two-part Arsenal special is done and dusted. And we probably don't need to touch on Arsenal again, except to perhaps remind you as it stands this Friday evening of the current odds around the Arsenal manager's position. Once again, brought to you by Bet Victor, Mikel Arteta five to two, Carlo Ancelotti two to one, Freddie Lundberg four to one, Patrick Vieira six to one. I have to say, do love the idea of Carlo Ancelotti being there. Big fan of Carlo. Some people say he's a bit of a dinosaur, including Carlo Gargonese, 
who we were speaking with last week uh, on the podcast about all things Serie Actually, two weeks ago, in fact. God, losing my dates already. But I still think Angelotti can get it done. Sophie seemed to in the uh, part one of the podcast. If you haven't caught that, go back onto anchor.fm, iTunes, Google Play, uh, Google Podcasts, excuse me, Spotify, and all good podcast outlets as well. Remember to get to betvictor.com. All of the odds are subject to change. And of course, you must be 18 or over to gamble with BetVictor. Please gamble responsibly. Visit BeGambleAware.org for more information on that. Until next time, we'll be adding some audio from Jason as well when he gets into all things El Clasico this week coming up. But until then, and until next week, take care and enjoy the rest of the football. <laughs> 